What is going on? This is your man L Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts tonight. It's going to be a football kind of night. Of course, we have to talk about this divisional round. Uh, we have a few games, actually, four games to talk about today. Of course, we have Saturday's action with the Niners and the Vikings and also the Ravens and the Titans. We also got Sunday's action. Today's action, uh, we had um, the Green Bay Packers and the Seattle Seahawks. And also so the Chiefs and uh, the Texas squirrel today. So we're going to talk about all those games today. We're also going to update you guys. Well, I'm going to update you guys on the coaching carousel in the NFL right now. And we're going to talk, uh, I'm going to give out some grades a little bit. And we're just going to get into the the the, uh, the topic of black coaches in the NFL. We're going to wrap everything up there. But let's get into it, of course. We're going to talk about these divisional round matchups. First things first, uh, Saturday's, Saturday's action. Uh, we're going to start off in the NFC. Uh, the Niners were able to get it done against the Vikings 27 to 10 of course I wasn't surprised by this one the Vikings have never beaten the Niners in the playoffs I don't think they ever will beat the Niners in a playoff game that's just my personal opinion let's break down the stats in this one for the Vikings of course on offense were led by quarterback Kirk Cousins he'll go 21 to 29 so not too bad in terms of completions and all that uh, but he only had 172 yards and also a touchdown and he did throw a costly interception as well Dalvin Cook was limited to just 18 yards and Stephon Diggs will be your leading receiver with two uh, two catches, just two, uh, for 57 yards and a touchdown. You know what? I don't want to say it right away. No, I'm just going to say it just like I feel. I think Stephon Diggs with this whole playoffs, if you looked at his attitude uh, in, the, in the New Orleans game and he didn't look at the 49er game he was shut out, I think it's a little bit overrated. I'm just going to be honest with you. I think Stephon Diggs, Stephon Diggs is an overrated wide receiver. Just going to say it. On defense, the Vikings were led by linebacker Eric Wilson. He would have 10 total tackles, and linebacker Eric Kendricks would have 8 total tackles and an interception. For the Niners, offensively, of course, Jimmy G would lead the way for them, going 11-19 for 131 yards. He would also throw a touchdown and an interception. Running back Tevin Campbell would have 105 yards on the ground and also two touchdowns. Wide receiver Debo Samuel will be the leading receiver yesterday with three catches and 42 yards, and wide receiver Kendrick Bourne would have three catches himself for 40 yards and a touchdown. Uh, for defense, the Niners were led by defensive end Nick Bosa. Six total tackles for him. He also had two sacks. Uh, defensive tackle Solomon Thomas would have three total tackles as well as a sack. And defensive back Emmanuel Mosley will go ahead and finish off everything with five total tackles. Uh, Takeaway from this game is uh, the big one. Dalvin Cook was a no-show. And I think this pretty much hurt um, the Vikings' chances. They needed to have some type of balanced attack here uh Kirk Cousins I mean he threw 29 passes not terrible uh but the the, the interception definitely hurt things and uh the wide receivers you know Stefan Diggs he really wasn't there after complaining the week before and pouting like a little baby um I was kind of mad because um I was looking at the uh looking at first things first uh sports talk show of course uh Nick Wright is on there and every now and again they have a, a couple athletes on there but he was really digging into Stefan Diggs earlier this week uh kind of acting well kind of saying he was acting like a little child and I kind of didn't like the way Nick Wright came out came out him like that but after seeing Saturday 
excited in this game and actually looking at these stats again. Don't get me wrong, he did score the touchdown, but just two catches. I mean, how often were you open? I mean, you made all that big of a scene about not being a factor versus New Orleans in the game that you won, but in the game that you, you know, the game that you lost, you really kind of a non-factor. Uh, Adam Thielen, he had, of course, he had an injury like a day or two before the game. I mean, you could pretty much, you know, counsel him out, cut his foot or something like that. So, of course, he had his injury. He had to get stitches. So, I mean, it was it was some things going against the Minnesota Vikings. But, again, you know, an interception doesn't help. Only having 18 rushing yards from Dalvin Cook does not help. And, of course, uh, Nick Bosa and the rest of the, the rest of the Niners get after the quarterback. And that's what they do. That spells disaster. And, again, I mean, I don't, uh, you know, in this game, uh, you did not see a great. Uh, you didn't see, well. You didn't see anything from George Kittle too much. Uh, Kendrick uh, Kendrick Bourne, excuse me, got the one receiving touchdown. I still think the wide receivers for this, the San Francisco 49ers are somewhat of a liability. I feel like they only have one true receiver, and again, it's just George Kittle. Um, but again, Kendrick Bourne stepped up, got the one t uh, one touchdown that you know was needed uh, to, of course, put the game well course put the game out of reach but it didn't really look like it was that close after the second half I don't think the game was that close I mean um, the the uh, sorry the second quarter uh, I, I felt like it was close right there at halftime but after that you know just the Niners kept making plays kept getting the, the Vikings off field um, getting to the quarterback just doing what they normally do best and uh, the score I mean yeah, the score shows for itself. Moving on, we got the upset of the weekend. I think of the upset of the entire playoffs. Of course, the number one seed, the number one team in the NFL, the Ravens, go down hard at home, 28 to 12 to the Titans. Let's break this one down as well. Uh, for Ryan, for sorry, the Titans, of course, Ryan Tannehill will lead the way offensively, going seven of 14 for 88 yards. Uh, he would have two touchdowns through the air and also a rushing touchdown. Uh, for Derrick Henry, he would have 195 yards around and uh, to mix things up he would have a passing touchdown yes and uh, even when my pop saw the play he was like oh Yep, uh, he, he they practiced that play. They've been practicing that play for months. They've been practicing that play for weeks, but they were ready for that moment, and he was right. And um, I think that, in my opinion, seeing Derrick Henry throw that pass like that, I was like, ah, there's, I don't think there's too much Baltimore can do at that point. I think a couple series after that, they were able to strip uh, Lamar, and it was just a bad day for him. We'll get to him in just a second. Uh, wide receiver Khalif Raymond uh, was, was the leading receiver for the, uh, sorry, was the leading receiver for the Titans with a 40 45-yard touchdown reception. Tight end Johnu Smith will have a receiving touchdown, as well as Corey Davis, the second-year wide receiver. Uh, for defense, the Titans were led by defensive back Logan Ryan. He would have 13 total tackles. Safety Kevin Bayard would have 11 total tackles and an interception. Safety Kenny Vaccaro would have five total tackles and an interception. And defensive lineman Jarrell Casey would have two sacks. Uh, great, great. Uh, game by the Titans. Again, they were able to get after uh, Lamar Jackson, stuffed him. I think one of the key plays for that defense was, I think it was a fourth and two, something like that. Uh, Lamar tried to run an option, and they stuffed him right. Uh, he tried to turn and, and do a, a quick move, but they stuffed him right there at the line. It just wasn't going to happen. I said, oh, that defense has come to play. Uh, fortunately, uh, for the Ravens, uh, it just didn't work for them. Uh, but we're going to break down the stats for them as well. Uh, for offense, of course, quarterback Lamar Jackson led the way 31 of 59, 365 yards through the air. He did throw a touchdown, but he had two bad interceptions. Of course, he gave up the fumble as well. He would have 143 yards on the ground. Uh, he did all he could. Um, 
and one thing I will say, I don't know about the second interception, but one of those interceptions, it bounced off an open receiver's hands. One thing I will say about what I saw yesterday uh, was the fact, well, it'll be Saturday probably uh, by the time a lot of you guys hear it, but um, I, I, I noticed a lot of dropped passes from Baltimore receivers. Not so much Marquise Brown, of course, and tight end Hayden Hurst. Uh, Hayden Hurst would have four catches, 53 yards, and a touchdown. Marquise Brown would have seven catches, a lot of them very good. A lot of pinpoint passes from Lamar on top of that. He would have 126 total rushing, uh, total six. 126 total receiving yards so not those two guys but everybody else Willie Sneed I'm looking at the rest of all the other the other uh, tight end they got down there I'm looking at all those guys I'm I'm cutting I'm cutting in the offseason. I saw one of those interceptions. Again, I don't know about both the intercept, the others, the second interception that Lamar threw, but one of them passes. I saw one of those interceptions hit somebody dead on in the hands. It bounced up, and then it hit somebody in the hands. Something about the Baltimore receivers yes, yesterday, they just weren't having it. They were dropping. There was at least six or seven dropped passes that could have changed the face of that game. Very disappointed in the Baltimore receivers. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson, again, did as it did what he could have done of course I think the second interception was probably him just trying to force things but that first one I clearly saw it bounce off somebody's hands those Baltimore receivers were just out again outside of tight end Hayden Hurst and Marquise Brown uh, everybody else I I'm looking at them very differently going into the offseason and for defense of course uh, Earl Thomas will lead the way at the safety spot having seven, seven total tackles in the sack and defensive end Brandon Williams would have six total tackles so again you know the big takeaway from the Baltimore game I, I personally think that um, you know the receivers for Baltimore did not make a hole did not make great plays when it really counted they dropped a lot of crucial passes uh, and it made Lamar look very just very you know just not you know just not up to his standard and I, and I still felt like he did his best to ball out he had over 300 300 yards passing he also had almost he had over 100 almost 150 yards on the ground uh, rushing so again he definitely did his part I, I just think that the receivers the receivers did him a disservice by dropping so many passes uh, but we're gonna move on to the action from today uh, well technically yesterday depending on when you listen to this Sunday's action uh, we're gonna move on to the AFC the other AFC divisional matchup uh, the Chiefs were able to pull out a 51 to 31 uh, victory over the Texans this one I was wrong about I had thought I called it earlier earlier today uh, before I left for work, uh, the, the Texans had gone up 20, was it 21 to zip? I was like, oh, Kansas City chokers, Kansas City, it's over. But I spoke too soon. By the time I was leaving for work, Kansas City had a 28-24 lead at halftime. I was disappointed. I'm very disappointed in Houston. I'm not so disappointed in uh, Deshaun Watson. We're going to break down the stats right now. Uh, Deshaun Watson will go 31 of 52 for 388 yards. He would have two touchdowns. He'd also have 37 rushing yards and a touchdown to go there as well. So I'm definitely not mad at him. Uh, running back Carlos Hyde would have 44 rushing yards. Uh, wide receiver uh, being, and he would be the leading rusher for the team. Uh, wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins was the leading receiver with nine catches. 
catches, 118 yards and a touchdown. And wide receiver Kenny Steals would have three catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. On defense, linebacker Zach Cunningham would have seven total tackles. And defensive back Garyon Conley would have five total tackles and an interception. I'm sorry, just five total tackles and a sack. Excuse me. For the Chiefs on offense, of course, Pat Mahomes will lead the way, going 23 of 35 for 321 yards. He would also have five touchdowns. Um, through the air, and he also had 53 rushing uh, yards. He was the leading, the team's leading rusher as well. Uh, running back Damian Williams would have 47 yards on the ground, but he would have two rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown to add to that. And uh, tight end Travis Kelsey would have 10 total catches for 134 yards and three touchdowns. And tight end Blake Bell would have a receiving touchdown. Uh, defensive, or for defense, excuse me, uh, the Chiefs were led by safety Brashard Breland. He'd have seven total tackles. Uh, defensive end Frank. Clark would have three total sacks, and defensive back Rashad Fenton would have five total tackles. Uh, a couple takeaways from this one, um, the Texans defense, trash in that second half. Garbage, garbage, garbage. That's all I can really say about that. Uh, too many, I mean, come on, Pat Mahomes, he's a, he's a virtuoso. I, I get why they say the pocket quarterback is tried and true I um you know don't be wrong I still got a lot of love for Deshaun Watson I still got a, a ton of a ton of a, a ton of amount of respect for Lamar Jackson and what they're doing but again Pat Mahomes baby uh taking it back to the pocket uh 35 pass for him 321 yards five touchdowns what can you really say I mean slinging the ball all over the place not afraid of course Travis Kelsey was one of the big um big beneficiaries of that just becoming one of the great tight ends that you've seen um i've i've seen in the past few years uh just just all over the place in my opinion you know people have said a lot about george kittle uh but i think a lot of that love for george kittle has come for the last just two or two uh seasons i would say max but i think travis kelsey has been balling since he's pretty much started people don't talk about him a whole lot why i don't know uh, but travis kelsey I, I think in my opinion with a performance like this is probably one of the best tight ends out there i would have to put um George Kittle as a second to him now. Just, just what I've been seeing from Travis Kelsey through the years, and of course he took, he, you know, he steps up and is pretty much the main focal point uh, in this in this playoff win here. Ten catches, 134 yards, three touchdowns. Definitely um, the, the 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 tight end to be right now. I, I don't have nothing to say about. That. I don't have no. I mean, I'm not a Chiefs fan, of course. I'm a Raiders fan, uh, but nothing nothing but respect to those guys. They they pulled it out. I thought they were done uh, to come back 21 from 21 points in just the second half. Of course, um, it wasn't like it was deep in the third quarter, nothing like that. But again, I mean, when you're down 21, oh, 21 zip, you know, and this is second quarter, you get you get the feelings of a blowout. But definitely ended up being something completely different. Uh, but let's move on. Uh, I'm gonna uh, update you guys on the coaching carousel. Like I said, uh, we had a few coaches being signed and. With that comes a little bit of drama, and I'm going to tell you why there's some drama and why why not there should be. 
Uh, well, recently, uh, Cowboys, the Cowboys recently hired their uh, new head coach, uh, former Green Bay head coach Mike McCarthy. Uh, now, McCarthy was 122 and 77 at Green Bay with four NFC Championship appearances and a Super Bowl Super Bowl victory. Uh, now, uh, he recently had an analytics retreat. Uh, what I mean by that, he's uh, since he got you know canned from his last job, uh, he's really taking a step back and going back to looking at football. He was taking a chance to look at film uh, go over different things within his coaching uh, skill set and revive and revising those things tweaking things about his play uh you know play calling and all that so i believe that there's some possible improvement there the only issue about it and i'll get to more of that when i have my state of the union address for the cowboys um you know just that jerry jones he's too much of a of a hands-on owner I don't know how, you know, how great Mike McCarthy can be if he's not allowed to be himself, if he's not able to run his own ship. I don't think Jerry does that. I think he makes it very difficult for Mike McCarthy, especially if he struggles at any point in time. Uh, but again, Mike McCarthy, uh, you know, that's their choice. And I do believe that there's things that he can do. Uh, he definitely has some success with a with a decent quarterback. Uh, not be, well, a great quarterback, that being Aaron Rodgers. I think one thing that the Cowboys have that the Packers don't have is a really great running game and a really solid defense. Uh, so I think uh, Mike McCarthy could definitely do well with that. Uh, can he improve? Can he improve uh, Dak Prescott? That will remain to be seen. But I definitely think he can open up the running game with somebody like well he definitely has a running game uh that he can work with a running back that he can work with and implement into whatever scheme he wants to do uh moving on we got the uh new york giants uh they uh, they recently hired the patriots special teams coordinator joe judge as their head coach uh basically expanding on the Belichick coaching tree uh he's a highly rated special teams uh well the special teams unit in uh new england has been highly uh rated the past few years and um, I think one of the main things that I've been hearing about this is um, because of what uh, the special teams consist of and, and just getting people to be motivated for that people are calling him like a real motivator type of guy he's actually and he's also a good talent evaluator uh, because usually what happens is a lot of players especially French players they end up playing on the special teams and earn their shots there so usually the really you know usually people that you know might miss the original you know I guess draft day or college exposure uh, what happens is when they get drafted of course they usually end up like I said on the special teams and you know that is where they you know uh, you know, sold their skills at and get you know a lot of looks at from different coaches. And uh, again, I'm, I'm from what his his background is on the special teams. I'm guessing, and what I'm hearing from other people is that he can be somewhat of a better talent evaluator than what they've had. Uh, there is some rumors going around that they are looking to hire Jason Garrett as an offensive coordinator as well. I don't see how successful that would be. And to be honest, I'm not officially sold on this hire. Um, again, this is one of those. Um, well, let's take a chance on somebody who used to, you know, coach with Bill Belichick. Um, I think Mike Vabral, I don't know if he was a, he coached for him or was a defensive coordinator. I think he possibly was. I think Mike Vabral, Vabral 
Frable, the Titans head coach right now. Uh, he definitely has uh, some skills, especially, you know, what we've seen this season. I think that's your one positive example of what can be done uh, what it, from the from the Belichick coaching tree. But again, you have Josh McDaniels. He was a head coach at one time. He was trash. I'm not buying him. Uh, Matt Patricia, uh, he hasn't done anything as a, the, the Lions head coach. He, uh, Lions head coach. He was their former coordinator, defensive coordinator. Uh, Brian Sir, uh, Brian Flores, excuse me, uh, is the current head coach of the uh, Miami Dolphins. Uh, he was, uh, I believe, a defensive coordinator um, right at the Patricia there in, in um, New England. And he, you know, come on, we know about Miami right now. They have a high draft pick. That's all you need to know. So I'm not 100%, you know, sold on um, on anything from the, from the Billy Check coaching tree. That's me. Um, again, I'm going to need, especially from a special teams coordinator, I, I you know, Y'all stretching with these. Y'all really are stretching, um, especially with this last one here. The Panthers went ahead and they went all the way to Baylor, uh, and they picked up Matt Rule, uh, their head coach. Uh, they signed into a seven-year, sixty million dollar contract. Again, uh, Richard Tepper is one of the richest owners in the league. That is why, more than likely, he got a deal like that. Uh, Richard Tepper will go on to say uh, he's, you know, they have the same values. They share the same values. This, that, and the other. Um, whatever. I don't care about all that. Um, I'm looking at this this record here. He spent seven years at the college level uh, between Temple and Baylor. Uh, he had a, a record of 47 and 43, so just barely above 500. His best finish came in 2015. Well, he had two uh, pretty good finishes. Uh, the first one was in 2015, where he would take Temple uh, to, to a 10 and 4 record, and they would finish number 20 in the country, and they would lose the Boca Raton ball. Uh, 2019, uh, he would take Baylor to an 11 and 3 record uh, and they were number eight in the country but they lost in the big 12 championship and they lost the sugar ball so he didn't win this ball games he had a, he had a ball record of one and three he's not impressive to me I, I i'm sorry a one and one and one and three ball game record please and no and no conference championships really and when he in his one ball game that he did win was last season, and it was a Texas ball, wasn't even a big time ball game, and he barely beat Vanderbilt, and that was after a seven and six finish. I, I, you know, and I, you know, I'm not buying this one. This one I'm really on the fence about. Um, but of course, with that being said, uh, there is some drama. Of course, like I said, you 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 had the Mike McCarthy pickup here. He's a relatively experienced coach. He's won a Super Bowl. He's had some conference championship experience. Uh, you have for the Giants. Basically, you know, they hired a no-name guy, but he's coming from a respected coaching tree. This Matt Rule here, this Matt Rule pickup here, I think by the Panthers, really ruffles a lot of brothers' feelings, a lot of sports brothers that are sports fans' feelings. Um, I would say football fans' feelings. I've heard former players talk about this. I don't think I've heard former coaches talk about it, but I've heard current, uh, I've been reading some articles about current, uh, at least assistant coaches and coordinators have somewhat of a problem with this one. And uh, basically what they've been doing is they've been calling into calling out the validity of the Rooney Rule. Now, for those of you who do not know what the Rooney Rule is, we'll just get right into it real quick, just to give you a brief, you know, answer for that. This was named after Dan Rooney. Now, Dan Rooney was the former owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he was a former chairman of the NFL Diversity Committee. 
and it requires that all 32 teams, when they have a job or job opening, to interview ethnic minority candidates for, like I said, when they when they have these job openings for the head coaching jobs, maybe even the coordinators, and also upper management jobs as well. Now, with that being said, um, and so it's you know the rule is what it says, you know, you know you have to at least interview somebody. Now, the, the problem is, and what everybody's, you know, at least on the, the black side is talking about, and I understand it, I can, I can get, understand it, I get it. In 2018, I believe there was eight black head coaches uh, in the league. As of this year, there are just two. One of them uh, being the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, Anthony Lynn, and the other being, actually, Yes, uh, I believe it's, yes, San Diego or slash L.A. And then you also have um, uh, Mike Tomlin over there in Pittsburgh. And then also you have Brian Flores out there in Miami. And um, again, and this is where I, you know, I got to, you know, make everything, put everything in perspective. Mind you, it's ethnic minority candidates so this does not just mean black folk so when i hear the black man say this and they say oh there's not enough black well there's only one latino coach you don't think mexicans don't play football latinos or guatemalans ain't interested in playing football I, you know hey ain't no ain't no samoan coach because i can name you a whole bunch of pacific islanders that could be a head coach i can name you one right now ken monotolo at the naval academy He's routinely taking teams to ball games. At, again, he, he can't even recruit necessarily because ain't nobody going pro if you go play for the Navy or the, or, or, or the Air Force or, or the Army. If you if you playing football for one of those teams, you going to serve in some capacity after you finish. There's no there's no pro. So so for him to be winning at a high level, he's a great coach. Look at him. Look at uh, uh, Kim Matalolo. I believe I'm pronouncing it right. There's plenty of coaches from all backgrounds that deserve a shot somewhere in the NFL. Um, but I want to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna break it down from the other end. I'm going to say something that a lot of people they may or may not agree with, and they may feel some type of way when I say this. I'm going to sit there and, well, first of all, it's going to be a question. My question is, in all reality, let's keep it real with here. How many, how, how, out of 32 teams, how many black coaches do you really need to feel comfortable in this league? Think about it. I mean, unless, I mean, I get it. I get it. I mean, you know, I guess the, because uh, again, Let's just be real here. How many black coaches are there just in the NFL around and in this in the ether? For one, let's talk about the ones. Let's just talk about the ones that are around at this moment. Let's talk about the three active coaches. Brian Flores, like I said, we already know about the Dolphins. They have a third round draft pick. A third, a third pick in the third, the third pick in the draft. That's pretty much says all you need to know. Anthony Lynn, current head coach for the Los Angeles Chargers, excuse me, has been there for two years. He has a record that is over 500, 27 to 24, and that includes the regular season and the playoffs, in which he's one and one. The Chargers uh, went to the playoffs in his first season, yet this year 
they've regressed. I believe they went four and twelve. This is not to say that he's a bad coach, but this is just again, this is what they're seeing. Okay, let's talk about the big dog, the the most respected in my opinion, black coach, active black coach in my opinion. We're talking about Mike Tomlin here. Mike Tomlin is one forty one and eighty with one tie, and that and that includes again the regular season and the playoffs. The three-time AFC AFC champion. Let's not talk about the, the multiple times he's won a division. Um, I'm sure it's more than at least at least it's four or five. The two-time Super Bowl winner and he's a coach of the year in 2008. And again, let me let me reiterate something to you. This record is nothing to sneeze at. He's probably the best black coach that we've had in the history. I'm going to say something again that y'all might not like. I don't think having a black coach in a lot of these situations is going to make a difference because I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think that these black players are just going to just come in and just respect these black coach. I don't know what, I don't know, you know, again, I guess it's having somebody that, you know, can you can relate with, you feel like you can relate with. But the reason why I'm saying this is again, we're talking about a two-time Super Bowl winner, okay? We're talking about a three-time AFC champion, okay? Now, mind you, I get it. Uh, we want to see more people. I, I get it. You want to see some more um, diversity, okay? But I've seen and I've heard black former black players, I've heard former black coaches throw this guy Mike Tomlin under the bus. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I'm hopefully I can keep you guys engaged and, and knowing what I, at least give you guys an understanding of what I'm talking about. Last year, when the Antonio Brown saga was going on, you know, everybody had they had 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 they um, you know finger to blame uh, when when they when Le'Veon Bell left left Pittsburgh when Antonio Brown left left uh, Pittsburgh and they didn't do that well that season they they did terrible. Everybody and their mama went at Mike Tomlin head, including the black folk. Now we're in a situation where there's just two of them around. Now we want to, we want to say, oh, well, Mike Tomlin is a good coach. Now we need more black coaches. We need more black coaches. But when they're when they're doing bad, even the black players will put them down. For example, James Harrison, one of the best defensive players in the modern era the Pittsburgh Steelers have had, uh, definitely there during Mike Tomlin's tem- uh, tenure. He had no problem with throwing Mike Tomlin on the bus saying that uh, compared to Bill Belichick because he eventually would leave Pittsburgh to go play in New England. He had no problem with throwing Mike Tomlin on the bus to compare him to to, uh, Bill Belichick. He had no problem with saying, oh, he didn't control the the locker room. He didn't have no no control of the locker room. So so now a year later when there's just two of them, now we got to stick together. Now, Now it's about how good they are and how this, that, and the other. I was riding with Mike Tomlin forever and a day. He got my respect. He's a he's a winner. He's won he's won the big chip. And as far as the drama, you know, is concerned, last year with AB and Le'Veon, that's on them. They're two grown ass men. There's only so much another grown ass man could do to get another to, to get another grown ass man to operate and do what he's supposed to do. Look at look at Antonio Brown's situation. Who who he got to blame there? Mike Tomlin? 
Cause he didn't want to. He didn't want. He wanted to act up and throw and throw chairs off about. Please. When it when it was time when it was time to defend black coaches, that was it. That was it. Again, you got people like Marvin Lewis. We're gonna start breaking them down now. Some of these black coaches down. And the Marvin Lewis situation. Again, we have two coaches here that I feel are like all the poster boys for. I'm not saying why we don't have no black coaches, <laughs> but I'm saying, listen, if that's who that's, if, this, if these are the people who are available, <laughs> then I don't think they're gonna want to deal. I don't think they're gonna want to retread these ones. Okay, they got it's got to be some new blood. That's all. I, I mean, we, that's all. I mean, we need we need the same. We need some new blood. We got the same coaches that have been around for five, ten years. We've seen what these people can do. For one, we got Marvin Lewis. Now, y'all can make a case for y'all can y'all can sit there and say, well, we need more of this. We need. Listen, Marvin Lewis barely finished above five hundred, and he coached at Cincinnati from two thousand four till about two thousand sixteen. Okay, most winning winning his coach in history, but that's not saying much because that franchise really ain't nothing. Okay, now he as a defensive coordinator for the, for the Ravens, which I feel like he's pretty much a glorified defensive coordinator. If we keeping it real, he would have one of the best defenses as a defensive coordinator. He was points allowed between 1996 and 2000. Okay, he won a Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator for the Ravens. Okay. He won zero playoff games as a head coach. Zero. Zero, zero, zero. And this is the same man that brought in the thugs on his team. He had the thug, he had the Vontez Burfix. He had the Adam pa- He had the real brothers. He had the brothers, right? What do you do with that team of brothers? <laughs> do y'all remember? In 2016, he couldn't get Vontez Burfick to not hit niggas in the head, to not get niggas to illegal, to illegally target people. That's Marvin Lewis, and y'all wondering who, why we not here? Come on, you couldn't get you. He could not get Vontez Burfick to not hit people in the helmet, bruh. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I think if there was a, if there was uh, over time, I think I think with time. You know, changes. We as we go on in time, there's a new guard, there's a new you know influx of talent. You'll get some a couple more black coaches. But until then, I'm not 100% sure people are gonna want to rehire Marvin Lewis. I'm not too sure people are gonna want to get Vance Joseph, take another chance on Vance Joseph after going 11 and 21 in two seasons at Denver. We got Todd Bowles here, another another defensive coordinator. Uh, he went 26 and 41. No playoff, no playoff berths, no playoff victories. Four years with New York. That's enough time to do something. We got our chances. Why are we begging? We always begging and complain about what we don't got. And then when we got something, Marvin Lewis, Marvin Lewis cannot get his players to play professionally. That's what you got. You got motherfuckers like Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson. Let's talk about Hugh Jackson for a little bit. And again, this because this is my my penis. These are the poster boys as to why it's a little bit hard. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it real. Hugh Jackson is is making it hard. Hugh Jackson and Marvin Lewis with the team of brothers, the the hard brothers, the the roughnecks didn't do shit. We gonna talk about Hugh Jackson. 2015, he was the he was the assistant coach of the year. <laughs> for the for the for the Cincinnati Bengals, right? As a head coach, 
we already know what he did. 11 and 41. This is between 2000. He did a stint with the Raiders. I believe they went 8-8. Eight and eight. That was his most wins as a coach. Then he goes to the Browns. He went 3-36. Who goes 3-36? And, and you expect to have a job? That's a seven point, that's a seven and a half win percentage, bruh. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I'm not saying he don't deserve a job. I'm not saying, but I, I don't I, as a coordinator, he deserves a job. So I, don't get me wrong. It, it, it's hard for your brothers like Eric Bienemy. I can't see their their offensive coordinator right now. I'm telling you, that's I'm telling you, it's part of the reason. You got Ryan Horton out there, the the assistant coach for the the uh, Redskins. And I'm telling you, I don't get me wrong. <laughs> A, I don't. First of all, I think what's holding it back now about the black coach was holding what's holding the NFL black back on the black coach right now. Again, you have the sample size here. I've given you at least five or six coaches. I mean, it, I mean, it's just like any other coach. Now, think about it. I mean, y'all mad at Matt Rule for for the Panthers signing him, and I get that. But again, I'm playing devil's advocate here, or whatever advocate you want to call it. I mean, Matt Rule's a college hire. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, look at look at Cliff Kingsbury. He was basically in the same position he was, barely above 500. And look at the Cardinals. The Cardinals, yeah, they had some little great moments with this year with Kyler Murray. Yeah, he has the opportunity to be, you know, somewhat decent. But let's be real here. We saw, you know, we we, we know what the Niners got. We know what the Seahawks got. Healthy, at least, when they're healthy. They're not... This, let's be real here. The Cardinals are not winning that division with, you know, with Cleve Pinsbury. So there's no... So this whole college, you know, experiment... The Panthers gonna, are going to learn... So, I mean, yeah, even if there is some, okay, even if there is some minor, you know, some minor discriminatory, whatever, some minor, you know, oh, I don't like this guy. It's going to show because the Panthers are going to still suck. There, I, I don't, in my personal opinion, I know what I saw from Matt Rule. And just like, I, it's gonna, and I'm going to have the same call. I'm going to call it the same way in which I called your boy Cliff Kingsbury. They're coming out of, they're coming out of these college schools where they played these, fr- these frantic, frenetic offenses that were high paced, scored a lot of points. They don't do no defense. He's going to be average. He's going to be an average coach. And I'm telling you, he's probably going to be done in about three years. I don't think he makes it through the seven. I'm sorry. Nothing about nothing about the record of 47 and 3 blow 47 and 43 blows me away. With a 1 and 3 postseason record. Ball ball think of that think about it like this. Ball games are the playoffs of the NFL. You, of course you just get that one game, but pretty much the ball games are your postseason. He's 1 and 3 in the postseason. No conference titles. I mean, come on. One top 20 finish. Uh and I give you that, but he lost in the ball game. In 2015, in 2019, he finishes in eighth, but loses in the Big 12 Championship, an important game that everybody would have got it. Everybody had a chance to see just how good he is. He couldn't beat he couldn't beat Lincoln Riley, so we know he's not on the level of Lincoln Riley, who the, who the Dallas Cowboys wanted. So he's not. I'm sorry, and he loses to Auburn. I know he's not that great, but think about it. It's compared to this, or 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 it's either him. Or Hugh Jackson. 
let's keep it real. It's either, it's, <laughs> okay, it's either it's either him, it's either the one and three in the college ball games or three and thirty six in the NFL. What would you prefer? <laughs> okay, now the the Mike McCarthy pick that actually makes sense. Joe Judge, I you know no name coordinator. I don't like the Matt Rule pickup that much, but again. Think about what you have to compare. You want to go with Todd Bowles? <laughs> again? I'm just saying. I'm not saying. Look, again. And the situations, again. Everybody's situation was different. But, again, these guys got enough time. I mean, Vance Joseph had a, two seasons to do something. Anthony Lynn is still in the mix in, in L.A. He has a chance to do something with L.A. Unless he's, he's been let go. Um, but again, do you want Marvin Lewis? I mean, just to just to say that you just to say that we got a black coach. Do you really want to go with Marvin Lewis, who could not get his best defensive players to play professionally, who will cost you games? Marvin Lewis, his players' personnel cost him games. He chose to put those players on the field, and that's what they did. That's coaching. That's all about coaching. You don't think the world is looking at that? They're not looking at Marvin Lewis and said, you put all them thugs on the field. That's what they're looking at. And they didn't win shit. Remember that. And they got nothing. Sometimes they ain't got nothing to do with race. And you're making yourself look like a mark when you keep putting yourself out there. Oh, you don't like us. Cause... No. They don't want... These are, the, these are the coaches that are available right now. Like I said, there needs to be some new blood. You know, some new black coaches to come out of college and all that. I, I for one, would love to see T. Martin. Uh, he's a he's a dope uh, college quarterback coach. Former player, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, great college quarterback at USC, or I believe it was Tennessee, uh, right after Peyton Manning, or right in, in that uh, time period. He gonna be a great coach, quarterback, offensive coordinator. Get a start there. Uh, in my opinion, we need more blood. We need new blood, not only in the coach department, and I mean, and I don't mean, you know, we need to hire Marvin. No, I need. I I think we need to go do our due diligence and go, you know, even even, even the black uh, people. And think about it this way. And even when they talk about uh, uh, the the uh, the upper management, even we have issues there like think about it i believe it was uh the, the uh, gm of the browns a few years back shashi brown right they hire him he's texting people on the sideline and doing the game you ain't supposed to do it again that's what we do we do shit you ain't supposed to do you ain't supposed to go three and 36 and again that's not a reflection of black coach i don't feel like that's every black coach but i do feel i do feel like a you know, with the coaches that they have, they're not inspired by the body of current crop of black coaches. Because if I, if I'm gonna be honest with you, if I am looking at this, you know, if I'm looking at all the resumes of all the black, co- if they were to bring me the resume of all the black coaches that I just mentioned, I probably wouldn't pick them. I'd probably go pick somebody from college too. I'm just saying, if you give it, if you're gonna sh- if you're gonna tell me we should look at Marvin Lewis now, if, if, now for all for all intents and purposes, let's say for instance, Herm Edwards decided to come back. But what I seen him do at Arizona State, I'd pick up Herm Edwards. Um, who else? I, like I said, I'd pick up T. Martin. I talked about. I just mentioned T. Martin. Uh, there's a couple cars. Maybe uh, Charlie Strong. I pick him up. Pick him up as a defensive coordinator. But I don't think I would go with Marvin Lewis again. I don't think I would go. Now, Mike, like I said, if Mike Tomlin was available, I'd hire him. I'm not looking to look. I'm not looking to hire Hugh Jackson. I don't know who would want to hire Hugh Jackson. It ain't got the problem. It ain't got nothing to do with being black. 
I mean, <laughs> I mean, three and thirty-six is three and thirty-six. Seven and a half winning percentage is seven and a half winning percentage. Come on now, zero and seven in the playoffs is zero and seven in the playoffs. That ain't got nothing to do with race. There's plenty of white coaches that didn't worse than that are and are no longer in the league. So, you know it. We gotta be we gotta be careful about how we use race and how we want to put it out there. And I get it. Uh, the Matt Rule pickup was a was a was a reach. That one I don't like. But, but again, if you have to, if you compare him to him and Marvin Lewis or Hugh Jackson, and, and that's all the black, if those are the only black coaches making themselves available. Then again, that's what you get. All right, y'all. I'm gonna call it a wrap for tonight. Uh, I'm gonna, yeah, I got home from work a couple hours ago. I'm, I'm on the tired side, so I'm gonna get me some rest. I'm gonna chill out. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be talking some college basketball. Uh, we also be going over. Uh, I got some news to go over for you guys, so we have to, we'll have the word on the street segment there. Uh, so yeah, let's wrap this up. Uh, if you're looking to get in touch with me, you can hit me up on my email at ljbutler75 at gmail.com. That is eljbutler75 at gmail.com. Uh, you can also hit me up on Facebook or Instagram. Instagram at L Jamal Johnny. That is E L J A M A H A D J A. And I once again that is E L J A M A H A D J A N I. All right, y'all. This once again this is L Jamal, and this is never out of bounds. And uh, once again, I am signing out, y'all. Peace out, one love, and I'll talk to y'all later.